Hey NASCAR fans, welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam and Renee. I am Renee, she is Tam. Hello. Hello Tam. How are you Renee? How was your weekend? Oh exhausting. Tam, I cannot begin to tell you how exhausting my weekend was. Now, before you judge, yes, I was in Vegas again. (laughs) I think at this point our listeners know that Vegas is your second home. Although you don't own a home in Vegas, you're always in Las Vegas. Right. Well, I don't own a home anywhere. But yes, if I did own a home, I would love to own a home in Vegas. Because since I'm always there, it seems like it would make sense for me to just buy a home there. And I mean, it's just exhausting. Anybody who's ever been to Vegas knows it's just, uh, I mean, it's literally like a city that never sleeps, Tim. I mean, it's basically what you do is like, you don't sleep. It's like one minute you're like going out for the night. And when you walk out, it's like the sun is up and you're like, <laughs> you're like what happened to the evening? Like what happened to the well, night? That's because all you do is party when you're in Las Vegas. That is true. Well, that's why you go to Vegas, right? Gamble, party, kind of a little bit of both. I don't know. One more than the other. Well, some ladies go to Las Vegas to do the spa thing, to hang out, to do a little shopping, to catch a show. You're the only person who goes to Vegas every single weekend to party. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm sure the listeners probably think like, boy, this guy's rich. <laughs> well, in Renee's defense... Every other weekend, he's down there working. He has a gig. And then the weekends in between, he's just down there partying. Yes, exactly. So I do find time to um, mix business with pleasure. And it's always nice to uh, sometimes just do pleasure and not just all work. It actually turned out to be really nice. So in any sense, how was your weekend, Tam? My weekend was great. I caught the race. Oh, and I just feel like I need to give this disclaimer. Renee actually does watch the races most Sundays. He finds time in between partying to catch up and either watch most of the race and catch the highlights or watch all of the race and catch the highlights. But either way it goes, you can count on Renee at the very minimum to catch the highlights. (laughs) That's right. Because even in Vegas, I try to take care of the responsibilities that I need to, you know, for business. And uh, it's tough. You're walking around and it it is Vegas and you're always trying to get to this place and to that place. But, you know, this past weekend, Tim, I actually literally started watching it at the Monte Carlo and then watched 30 minutes of it there. Then watched the next 30 minutes of it, I think, at, at the MGM. And then we ended up at a pool party of like an hour after that. And then I just, I, I was like, okay, then that, that's the end of that. I, I have to watch the highlights. <laughs> because you were partying. There you go. That's right. Okay, so let's jump into the race that was Dover. Dover was a pretty exciting race. At least I thought it was. It shaped up to be. Brad Kozlowski and Kurt Busch kind of tangled and that ended their day, but it didn't end Jimmy Johnson's day. Although Jimmy started from the back, Jimmy went on to win, as we all know at this point, unless you've been hiding under a rock, you know that Mr. Seven Time is now Mr. Eleven Time at Dover. And if you didn't know, that was his 83rd win, which tied him and Kill Yarbrough, who was Jimmy Johnson's childhood hero. Like, Jimmy came 
to win. He did not come to play. I mean, you think about it. Jimmy actually started from the back of the field and he raced to the front. Now, you saw at least the first hour of the race, so you know it was intense. I mean, you had Kyle Larson and Martin Truex. I mean, how about those two guys? Like every week we're calling their names, Martin Truex, Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson, yes. Martin Truex. That's exactly why, Tam, they're, they're at the top of the list for standings. Well, they were having a battle for the ages, but Jimmy Johnson said, not today. Yep, that is exactly correct. <laughs> Congratulations to the number 48, my guy, Jimmy Johnson, taking that uh, checkered flag home. And uh, once again, Kyle Larson ends up in second. I mean, I think this is, uh, it just seems like uh, it's a common thing. Like, you know, it's going to happen. Like, he's probably not going to win this race, but I bet you he'll come in second. Well, I actually tweeted from our Twitter account and maybe, you know, I keep saying I should do some research, but I think that's some kind of record to come in second place that many times. Like, I would just be curious to know who else has come in second place so many times. Like you think about it. What is this week 13? I think so. I'm not quite sure. Could be week 14. But regardless, he's come in second place at least a few times this season. Yeah, I know. It seems like he's come in second place like every week because it's like he comes in second place so much, Tim, that you're going... Is this just an everyday occurrence? I mean, it's almost like he, if he's not winning the race, he'll come in second. Yeah. And, I, you know, let's not forget about Martin Truex because I feel like Martin Truex Jr. is also, he's not always second, but he's always there. Yes. And him and Kyle Larson, respectively, seem like they win one or two stages, but can't finish out the race. I have to agree with you on that. And how about Kyle Bush? I'm not sure if you saw. When Kyle Bush tire came off. And I did he, catch that. That was actually pretty crazy. That crazy or scary, either one, or it could have been both. And as we know, there seems to be possible suspensions coming for the crew chief and, and the guys that were in charge of the tires. But, you know, the reason why this is really kind of scary, Tam, is uh, for the obvious reasons that Kyle Bush could have been hurt. Another driver could have been hurt. Any possibilities of that could have gone wrong. That's just a really scary thing. And he ruined the car. His, uh, I think it was his left rear tire changer. He actually hurt his hand because I remember Samantha Bush tweeting something to the effect that they were icing his hand. So someone did get hurt. It, it just seems to have been a fluke accident. But again, like Jimmy Johnson, Kyle Bush went from the back and raced to the front. I thought that was pretty amazing considering yeah. everything that had happened. I think what's crazy is that when you look at the race and then you see like things like that that happen. And by the way, I did see the highlight where the tire changer, he hurt his hand. And I mean, that was actually pretty scary watching that. I mean, just almost as to the point of the tire actually coming off. So you knew once Kyle Busch took off, you knew something was probably going to happen. And that tire just literally like came off. And the tire just kept going. Like it was going to make it back around, like it was going to make it back around pit road by itself. I thought that was pretty funny. Since we're on the subject, because I'm trying to recall, I don't think Kyle Busch had a top 10 finish, which is interesting. I know at one point he raced his way from the back to the front after the tire issue. And I do remember him kind of being sort of up there at the top of the pack, but I don't recall. What place he finished in? I know his brother, Kurt, he didn't finish in top 10 by any means because Kurt 
got into it with Brad Keselowski and Correct. ended his day. It was actually a fluke situation. Like, kind of feel bad for Brad Keselowski because that's a couple of weeks in a row where he's just had a tremendous amount of bad luck. Un- right. un- you know, it's not his fault. Yeah, so looks like Kyle Busch actually ended up coming in 16th. And I think oh. that may have to do with the accident that happened on the restart of the last lap when we went into overtime. Right. Oh, I don't okay. quite remember. But again, while we're on the subject, I'm going to give you guys the top 10 for the race, just a refresher so you have an idea of what we're talking about and you don't have to go look up and double check. So the top 10 at Dover, Jimmy Johnson, we already said it. He came in first place. Kyle Larson in second, Martin Truex in third. And those guys on that restart, the the bad accident at the end of the race, they were kind of able to come through. Well, you didn't see, you saw the highlights, but I'm sure you saw when Ty Dillon was actually up there. Ty Dillon led a lap. And then he looked like he was going to end up with a top five day until the restart and the accident. But I really thought he was going to come in third, but no cigar. Martin Truex came in third. Ryan Newman quietly came in fourth. Chase Elliott, top five finish. Suarez, Daniel, Daniel Suarez. Hey, Mm -hmm. Daniel came in sixth. Jamie McMurray, seventh. Denny Hamlin, eighth. Kevin Harvick, ninth. And Danica Patrick. She came home with a top 10 finish. She sure did. Who saw that coming? She sure did. But you know what? You know why? Because of that accident. That's That's right. (laughs) She saw it coming because of that accident. Okay, now, Tam, as we like to say, we're not Danica haters. We're just not Danica fans. No, we're not. (laughs) Just getting back into the top 10 really quick. Well, I guess getting out of the top 10, a few notables that I wanted to mention. Dale Jr. came in 11th place, so he was just outside of the top 10. I already mentioned Kyle Busch came in 16th place. Joey Logano came in 25th. Like, I'm not quite sure what's going on with Joey Logano. Not really hearing his name like we usually hear, and he's not placing and coming in the top five and top 10 like we're used to. I don't know if maybe that's just something that's uh, mentally like kind of bothering him with the whole accident that happened, you know, with uh, Eric Amarola and stuff. You know, I mean, that that was a very bad and traumatizing accident. And you, you know, just as much as I and a lot of these other people who saw that. I mean, that was just a very, very thing that you could see it weighing on his head. You know, when he even did that interview, I mean, that really affected him. And I don't know if maybe that's still just kind of mentally bugging him at some point when he gets in the car and he gets behind the wheel and he's going around that track. I mean, something like that can really stick in your head. And I don't know if that has something to do with it, Tam, but it's possible it could. Renee, I didn't even think about that, but that's definitely a most excellent point. We'll see how he gets through the next couple of weeks. Um, Clint Boyer, my guy, he came in 31st. Not very good. All in all, I thought Dover was a great race. It gave you a little bit of everything. I mean, it, I thought it was action-packed. I watched it from the first lap to the last lap. One thing I noticed, because I I jumped on, well, I can't say I jumped on social media because I'm typically on Twitter the entire race. Jeff Gluck actually posted a poll, and I wanted to post a poll, but once I saw his, I said, I'll just retweet his poll. But he simply asked the question, was Dover a good race? And I mean, he had over 2,000 people vote and it's still time left in his poll. 
76% of the people who voted said, yes, it was a good race. Only 24% said it was not a good race. I always say this. I'm a NASCAR fan. I love NASCAR fans, but we're just a little bit disgruntled and we just can't find anything to be happy about. I don't see why anybody would say Dover wasn't a good race. And granted, people are entitled to their own opinion, but what was bad about Dover? It gave you everything. If you like accidents, it gave you that. It gave you drama. I mean, you had drivers racing to the finish line. It gave you everything. Yeah. And a tire falling off. So, I mean, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, where else are you going to see a tire fall off? I agree. I thought it was a really good race from what I saw, even from the beginning. And you're right, it was intense in the very beginning. And I really liked it. And even when I stopped watching it, I was like, man, I said, I, that really sucks because uh, I knew I could tell it was going to be a good race. And even when I went back and watched the highlights, Tam, I was like, oh, I was right. It looked like it was a good race. So I, I was kind of kind of sucked that I, I didn't get to watch the rest of it. But, you know, still, I was having a good time at a, at a pool party. So, yeah. And guess what? Leading into the race, we still had drama because people were still talking about Kyle Busch and all his extra mic drops and all his, I won't <laughs> say shenanigans because I still thought it was funny. Yeah. But even Dale was still talking about it leading up to the race because he had tweeted a photo of Richard Petty the King. And I think he was at his garage and he said that Richard Petty came up to him and said something about Kyle and he thought it was funny. So, you know, again, leading into the race, you had some great storylines. You had drama. You had drama on the track. You had a little drama after the track. I don't understand. What else do you want? Yeah. I mean, you know. I guess uh, you're right. People have the right to their own opinion. Sometimes fans are just picky. We're all picky in our own way. I mean, some people like short tracks. Some people don't like short tracks. Some people like restricted plates. Some people don't. I thought it was a good race. And, and, you know, as far as Kyle Busch is concerned, the whole aftermath of what happened and what he did last week, you're right. It was entertaining. It was funny, especially like when Dale Jr. started talking about it, especially on his Periscope. That was really funny. But Kyle Busch is like what we talked about last week. This is his personality. And it's like what he said. He's like, hey, that's just who I am. And it is who he is. And I'm going to agree with you again. I think NASCAR needs his personality. I think you need that because we're kind of missing that a little bit. Yeah. Well. I wanted to switch notes a little bit. I guess it's still on the theme of drama. We had a little drama after the race because Jimmy, who won, he didn't take any sip of any champagne. And we found out why. Not that anybody noticed that he didn't. But we found out today that Jimmy Johnson actually had a minor procedure to to remove some type of cancerous cells that were on his shoulder. Right. And then basically what that was all about, Tam, was uh, it was uh, like some form of skin cancer, which was a, a basal cell carcinoma. And uh, it's the most frequently occurring form of of all cancers with more than over 4 million cases a year in the U.S. And it's usually parts of your skin that are exposed to the sun, whether you're outside just at the beach, you're, you're mowing the lawn, uh, you're out walking at, at the mall or just at the park. And Jimmy Johnson tweeted this, and in a quote, he says, just wear sunblocks. He says, wear sunblock, kids. I spent the morning on a table having basal cell carcinoma cut out of my shoulder, unquote. And basically what they were talking about there, and I guess uh, from somebody that was talking to uh, people in his camp, just uh, one of those things where he's just trying to make sure that other people are aware of when you're going to be out in the sun to wear sunblock. And it really is important 
you know, my parents probably at the time weren't the best at, you know, telling us to wear sunblock. But I know if we always went to the beach, they made us wear sunblock. And I'm so glad that they did because I think people kind of underestimate exactly like how how dangerous those uh, sun rays can be. Well, I grew up, I can't say I cared about sunblock. I don't know. It just wasn't like I got to have the sunblock. I mean, even now I'm a little bit guilty of not wearing sunblock. I always carry it. I don't leave home without it. I don't travel without it. But because I'm a homebody and I'm in the house a lot, I feel like I just need some vitamin D sometimes. So I will go without it. But there are times where I'm like, oh my God, I got to put on some sunblock like immediately. And this whole situation with Jimmy Johnson just reminded me and hopefully our listeners how important it is to wear sunscreen. Well, if you're ever at a day pool party, Cam and our listeners, make sure you wear sunblock because it's hot out there in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of Jimmy, I want to talk about your guy, his teammate, Dell Jr. Yeah. Dell's still talking. Oh, and he's going to continue to talk, Tam. He's just going to continue to talk about whatever it is. And people are going to listen. And that's what's great about it. And after the race, you know, he was complaining about the changing the rule of the overtime line, which is something that he helped create, which is completely weird. He helped create that? Yeah. I was reading it in one of the uh, articles on NASCAR News, and it actually stated that it was Dale Jr. that kind of helped to get that rule in place. And I thought that that was so weird because it even gave the link, I think, to his Periscope, I believe it was, and where he said it himself. He was like, look, I know this is going to sound strange, but I think we should do away with the overtime line except for Talladega and Daytona. And he's like, and I know that sounds strange considering I was the one who kind of help make that a rule. And I didn't even know that, Tim. And obviously well, you didn't know that either. But I, my, my jaw hit the floor. And I was just like, you know, because he said that the overtime would work. I guess he just didn't think that it would work in every race. And obviously, especially not in this race. But I mean, Tim, this is just going to be one of those things where is there going to be a, a way to get it right? Is there going to be a rule to make it work? I mean, because you know, it's just as much as I do and all the other listeners and NASCAR fans. I mean, NASCAR changes rules all the time. We do know that the rules will change tomorrow if somebody thought it was a great <laughs> idea, which no is not kidding. great for the sport. The NBA, they wait to the end of the year. NFL, they wait to the end of the year. NFL may even wait two years before they change the rule. Yeah. Not NASCAR. NASCAR on a Monday, I'll say, oh, let's change the rule for Sunday. Right. Which is not good. And on that note, I guess I feel like this is probably going to be a segment of the show for a few more weeks, if not to the end of the season. But the NASCAR rumor mill is still spinning. We'll talk about this in a bit because uh, there was some rumors about Bubba Wallace. I mean, we talked about it for a couple of weeks and all of what we talked about is kind of come into play. But before we even jump into Bubba, I wanted to talk about an article that was actually posted on beyondtheflag.com. The article talks about whether or not it's Danica Patrick's last NASCAR season. Yeah. Before I even tell you about the article, what do you think, Renee? I'm at a, I'm a loss of words. I can't even speak. <laughs> 
I don't know. What What do you think? And maybe I can feed off of whatever you say, because I'm at a loss of words. <laughs> well, the article was very well written, kind of broke down a case as to why she should consider retiring. She's been in the league or, you know, in the sport for five years. She came in with a splash. As we all know, she sat on the pole in Daytona. Her first race has been not so much <laughs> great or downhill ever yeah. since. She hasn't really done much. She's had, I think, her best place finish was sixth or eighth or something like that. She hasn't done much. And it's not like she's consistently, you know, like we can take Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott is not and has not won yet, but he is consistently there in the top five or top mm -hmm. 10. And in fact, I didn't read it, but just going back really quickly, we talked a little bit about the top 10 just to kind of give you an update on the top five in terms of standings. You have Martin Truex, who is leading Kyle Larson in the standings by nine points. Larson is in second. Kevin Harvick is in third. Kyle Busch in fourth. Jamie McMurray in fifth. And just, you know, an interesting fact, Jimmy Johnson, who's the only person to win three races this season, is actually in sixth place. He's, he's down or he's behind 131 points from the leader, Martin Truex. Right. Which is and really interesting, considering that he's won three races. Yeah, and where's Kislowski standing? In the I don't even think Kislowski's in the top ten, to be honest. Let me double God, which check. Which is crazy, because he's won two races already. Well, this goes back to my point, what I've said you know, a couple of times on this show, is that you have a bunch of people who've actually won races that aren't even in the top ten, which is mind-boggling to me. And to prove my point, you asked about Brad Kozlowski. Brad Kozlowski is in seventh place and he's won two races. But so you have, yeah, Ricky Stenhouse, who won a race, is in 14th. And Ryan Newman and Kurt Busch, who also won a race, are in 15th and 16th. And getting back to, yeah, getting back to my point, Chase Elliott is in eighth place and he's not won a single race, but he's won a couple of stages. And not to compare Danica to Chase, because you just cannot compare them, but to put it in perspective of what I'm trying to say uh, in regards to Danica's season in her past five years, Danica's actually in 30th when it comes to standings. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that she should retire, but I don't know. Well... She says she was going to retire if she'd take another hard hit. And in my account, she's taken two or three hard hits since she made that statement. Yeah, that's true. And um, I guess I was just trying to pick my words very carefully. Not that I was going to be offensive in any kind of way, but I think I'm just going to reiterate what I've always said and what I've been saying since we've started talking about her possibly retiring. And I think it's just uh, an inevitable thing. And it's very, I would say it's as a 95% chance that she probably will retire at the end of this season. It wouldn't be surprising to me, although I think, just as I said before, I just think with all the, the other things that she has going on outside of NASCAR, and like I've always said about just maybe possibly wanting to start a family at least at some point, I mean, she still is young enough where she can have a child. Although I know sometimes women feel like that biological clock is ticking at a certain age 
Um, you know, and then just thinking about her health in general. That's very important. I would imagine, obviously. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if she did uh, retire at the end of this season, Tam. Uh, wouldn't surprise me one bit. Well, we will see how it goes. Now, getting into Bubba Wallace talk. Ooh. Bubba, we talked about it leading up to the show for a couple of weeks, and it has finally happened. Bubba is making his cup debut. Nobody saw this coming, but we're glad that is here. But it looks like Bubba is going to make his debut in the most spectacular way. He is going to make his debut in the King Richard Petty's number 43 car replacing Eric Amarola. Yeah. How exciting is that? This is how crazy this is, Tam. Not only is he making his debut which is exciting by itself, but he gets to do it in the number 43 car. That is just like, my head would have exploded. <laughs> Look, this is an exciting time for NASCAR in general as two people of color who talk about NASCAR. This is huge for us. And again, if you listen to the show each week, you know we don't ever pull that card. But this is just huge for everybody involved in NASCAR because Bubba is what NASCAR needs. NASCAR needs a young, fresh gun, and we need something new, and we need a little bit of diversity. And Bubba offers all that. The interesting thing about it is, do you know, because most people don't even realize there's been other Black NASCAR drivers and not just Wendell, but there was also Bill Lester. So Bubba driving this week at Poconos, he's actually the first African-American NASCAR driver to hit the track in the Premier Series since 2006. So that's 11 years ago since we had a African-American driver. Yeah. And just kind of to get back into the rumor mill and, you know, all that kind of stuff. We briefly talked about it, but everybody knows Bubba didn't have any sponsorship in the Xfinity series. And it was already questionable if he was going to be racing for the next couple of races because he had no sponsor for his car. So this was perfect timing for him to be able to step in and ride in the king's car like this is huge this is not like he's just getting in any old car he's getting in the number 43 yeah. <laughs> that's just... the way to make an interest oh and oh, what? oh no and the bubble wins like, my goodness oh it is gonna be over i'm gonna tell you this now what i know bubba ain't never gonna go back yeah because i think you know some people when they get that opportunity they shine yeah, and it was do. only a couple of weeks ago where Bubba was like, he thought he was time for a cup car. I mean, I guess, you know what? Let me write down, let me write it in the air. It's time for somebody to give me a million dollar check. Hopefully, <laughs> you know, is it that easy to put yeah. it out there and just make things happen? No kidding. Well, I don't know. What else is going on in NASCAR? I mean, that to me is like the biggest thing. And yeah, I, I do want to mention that there was, uh, and we'll just mention this really quickly, but uh, if anybody obviously that saw the race uh, or, or after the fact, whatnot, there was a fan who climbed that fence, and I think it was around turn four, and, uh, and I don't know if you caught that, uh, Tam, but um, it didn't cause a caution, but the gentleman who did climb that fence, he and he climbed pretty high, 
And somebody uh, had a small video that they tweeted. They were showing the guy. They showed where the law enforcement was waiting for his butt, his drunken butt, to come down from that fence where they arrested him. They did arrest him, and he does face uh, felony charges of uh, resisting arrest and some other stuff that they charged him on. But uh, it's just amazing how, you know, some people cannot handle their liquor. I mean, I go to Vegas, and of course, I have a couple of drinks, but I'm not climbing no fence with cars going over 200 miles an hour. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? I, I mean, need you to explain to me, even with alcohol, what possesses you to climb a fence with yeah. race cars I that, like, know at the bottom? And like, explain to me, what, what does your mind say? Because one false move is over. Absolutely. And, and I don't even know if maybe it was just alcohol. Maybe there was something else he was doing. But regardless of what it was, I mean, does this guy wrestle alligators? I mean, this guy's got a death wish apparently or something. I mean, what a stupid, stupid move. And they did say that he was intoxicated. I mean, well, obviously. intoxicated as an alcohol or intoxicated well, as a it, PCP? Yeah, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> Do people still they use say PCP? He was intoxicated. I don't know. Or am I dating myself? <laughs> What's that? I said, do people still use PCP? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's the only drug kind, I can well, think about. You kind of are dating yourself a little bit, but uh, yeah, people still use PCP. It's just mixed with other types of stuff. And uh, and they usually mix it with like ecstasy or MDM, MDMA and stuff like that, you know, uh, which is uh, another form of Molly and stuff like that, 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 that. So yes, people still use PCP, but it's not like, the actual PCP that they use, like back in the seventies and eighties. I don't even know what PCP is, to be honest. I just, <laughs> I just know it was a drug. I again, I guess I do know a little bit about Molly. I I've never taken it, but yeah, I heard it in rap songs. Well, whatever this guy was on, it got him arrested. So the good thing was is that um, officials at Dover International Speedway said that it, he didn't cause a caution, although it was very dangerous of him to do that, obviously. And he was arrested. So that is that. Okay. Well, on that note, I guess it's time for our fan comment of the week. And before I read that and we get into some predictions, I want to give a shout out to Jimmy John's Freaky Fast Racing. Because they gave us a shout out on Twitter. They said that they, quote, I dig those predictions. And that was because we, or well, Renee chose Kevin Harvick to win and Jimmy Johnson was his dark horse. Right. And I actually chose Jimmy Johnson as my dark horse as well. And that brings me to my fan comment of the week. I'm going to keep it real simple. I wasn't on a NASCAR Reddit board because I feel like when I go in there, that's just like going down a rabbit hole sometimes (laughs) because there's so much information, so many comments. But our fan comment of the week comes from... I'm going to read Ray Robertson's comment and his username on Twitter is at SGT underscore Sting, Stingray. So I guess that's Sergeant Stingray. I feel like I read one of his comments before, but he tweeted us and said, 10 wins at Dover is not a dark horse. And Justin Tucker, user at NotoriousJT underscore 48, he also tweeted us and said, Jimmy Johnson, a dark horse at Dover. Ha, 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 and some more ha, ha, ha's. And people didn't like the fact that we chose Jimmy Johnson as our dark horse. 
So why I read that as a comment is because Jimmy, yes, he was a 10-time winner going into Dover, but hey, people, we gave him respect as a 10-time winner and gave let him be our dark horse. I guess we right. shouldn't, I shouldn't say let him be, but we chose him as our dark horse. Yeah. And I maybe don't say this, and maybe I've never said this, but I'll say it now. Tam, usually when I, I do my predictions, I usually go off of a, a vibe that I have. And it's like when I'm going to make a prediction, it's just I'm looking at the drivers of what's happening with them in the last several races. Uh, whose name haven't we heard? Because usually at that time that that person or that driver is, is going to come out on top. And I go by those vibes. And that was the only reason why I went with Kevin Harvick last week, because I don't know what it was, but I, and I know we haven't said Harvick's name a lot and he's kind of quietly just there, but I just, I thought maybe at Dover, maybe he would just come out of the, out of the blue and just, just surprise everybody and win the race. Like you said, I gave Jimmy Johnson respect and I picked him as my dark horse just be exactly because of that. Well, I want to move on to another comment that I just came across, and it's just coincidentally because you used the word quiet. But one of our Twitter followers um, named Altis, O-U-T-I-S, user is at Karen Pisnaski. I think I'm mispronouncing that, but that's K-A-R-E-N-P-A-C-Y-N-S-K-I number one. We tweeted, Matt NASCAR's quiet assassin and Karen responded in all caps and said, really? Didn't look silent when he wrecked Joey out of spite. What the <laughs> F? I do not ever forget or forgive. Never. So seems like Karen is holding a grudge with uh Mr. Matt Kenseth. Matt Kenseth is the quiet assassin. I don't care what any of you guys say because he's quiet until you do something to him. Like what happened with Joey, and then he tries to assassinate you. There it is. And one other shout out. I want to give a shout out to Larry Lee, user at LBLEE58. Larry's been tweeting us up a storm. I like Larry, but Larry is a little mad about everything. He was definitely mad about the Kyle Bush thing. There was a tweet that said, Kozlowski still irked by Bush reaction to loss. And that was an article on ESPN that a tweet went out. And Larry responded and was like, this crap is what's driving long time and potential fans from your brand. Leave this type of hype for the WWE. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's storylines. What can you say? Uh, and yeah. then I guess what Larry was mainly upset at, because here's another tweet. Larry says, wow, this has to be at least the 20th time I've had a link to this article. At NASCAR, at Kozlowski has to be hurting for attention. Okay, I'm going to disagree with that because I don't think Brad really cares. I think Brad just shared his opinion on the Kyle Busch situation, just like Junior did and everybody else, even though King Richard Petty. And, you know, that's just that. Oh, and one last shout out. Shout out to the Robster. And that's at user the Robster, R-O-B-S-T-E-R 2014. And I wanted to give him a shout out because Front Row Racing, Eric Jones and Five Hour Energy Dream were having a tweet contest where they gave away, they actually gave away two signed hero cars, two signed Five Energy our hero cars. And all you had to do to enter 
was retweet and tag a friend and they tagged us and then we tagged them back and they actually won. So congratulations to them. Oh, I wow. guess it's time for some predictions unless you wanted to add anything to what no, I said, Renee. Uh, let's go straight into for some predictions. It's time for Tam and Renee's Race Predictions. Okay, well, it's time for some predictions, Renee. Who you got? Okay, so here we go. These are my predictions. I'm going to stick to them. And I know that I really, really want to go with Jimmy Johnson again. (laughs) And not because somebody got angry because we made him a dark horse last week. That's not why. I really want to pick Jimmy Johnson again because he's just, uh, oh man, this guy just, it's like once Jimmy Johnson starts to win races, it's hard to stop that guy. I mean, it's just so hard to stop. Um, I tell you what, though, I am going to pick him as my dark horse. That's for sure. However, I'm going to go with Matt Kenseth on this one. And I know you alluded to his name, the Quiet Assassin, but something, like I said, there's something about the vibe that I pick, and it just I pick it up from the from the energy of the earth. I got a feeling that Matt Kenseth is going to come through this week. Matt Kenseth is going to be my winner, and your dark horse is going to be Jimmy Johnson. Okay, that's Renee's picks, and he's sticking to it, so I'm going to stick to the past ten before I give you my prediction. This is nothing new. If you listen to the show, We always, or at least I always give you the past 10 winners before I jump into my predictions. So we're at Pocono, as you already know. We race twice a year at Poconos, once in June and once in August. I'm going to give you the past 10 for June's race at Poconos. 2016, Kurt Busch. 2015, Martin Truex Jr. 2014, Dale Jr. 2013, Jimmy Johnson. 2012, Joey Logano. 2011, Jeff Gordon. 10, Denny Hamlin, 2009, My Man Smoke, as in Tony Stewart, 2008, Casey Kane, 2007, Jeff Gordon. Oh, and we didn't even talk about Casey Kane losing a sponsor. I guess I feel like nobody really cared, but he lost one of his main sponsors who was, uh, what is a sports clip? Yeah. That was pretty huge. So that's, to me, going back to what we said last week and what I've kind of have alluded to hmm maybe that's alice bowman in the number five okay i'm gonna leave it at that okay notable things that have happened at poconos i always say poconos poconu 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 jimmy johnson is a three-time winner at pocono so that could be a factor you know maybe help you along with your pick and denny hamlin is actually a two-time or actually excuse me denny hamlin is a four-time winner at Pocono, and Kurt Busch is a two-time winner. So pretty interesting. You know, I haven't given it much thought, so I'm just going to pick really quickly and go out on a limb. I am going to gonna go with Kyle Busch as my dark horse, and I, I'm feeling like Brad Kozlowski. I feel like Brad Kozlowski and Joey Logano are going to shake it off because the Penske guys have not had the best of luck, but I can only pick one to win, so I'm going to pick Brad Keselowski. So that's Brad Keselowski as my winner and disgruntled Kyle Busch as my dark cars. Well, there you go. You got our predictions. We'd like to hear what your predictions are. Who's your dark horse? Who you got as the pick as the winner of the race this coming weekend in Pocono? Hit us up on our social media. You can hit us up on Twitter at Turns No Breaks. That's at Turns No Breaks on Twitter. You can hit us up on Instagram. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please subscribe to us, leave a comment, and please let anybody that you know, friends, family, or whoever loves NASCAR just as much as you do, just as much as we do, 
let them know and send them here. You know what? You can also find us, our personal social media. I'm across the board at It's Renee Garcia. That's at It's Renee Garcia on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. And Tab, where can they find you? Uh, every week we say the same old thing at I am sincerely Tam. <laughs> That's right. Across the board. For Tam, for myself, thank you for tuning into our podcast each and every week. Be kind to each other, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 